after learning a bit more about uh, how deprived doctors are of some of these um, skills and uh, just managing themselves and actually like self-care, just taking care of themselves, um, we learned a lot more as students and it's been highlighted a lot more uh, recently now compared to old school years and old school yeah. doctors that um, taking care of yourself and preserving yourself is really, really important because if you're not sorted, then how can you sort other people out? Let's go through what happens when you've entered into medical school, okay? So, you know, run me through your your everyday life, Neil, from <laughs> from second year through uh, to you know, where you are now, what it looks like. Yeah, well, so um, we're at the end of 2019. I just finished my, my third year. Um, and so speaking specific, specifically from the University of Auckland Med School, we've got second and third year, which is your preclinical years, and then four, five, and six, which is clinicals. Um, which are very, very different as it is. And I don't know what to expect from clinicals. You probably explain Yeah, I, I can talk about that a lot. Like, tell me about the preclinical side. Yeah, well... Um, well, what does preclinical mean? Preclinical? Yeah. Okay, well, I'd say before I continue on, I want to firstly add that, like, actually, there's so much to, to talk about with this really as well. Um, I walked in with the mentality that, like, now I'm safe. You know, yeah. now you've passed that barrier and now you're in. Yeah. And it's really hard to get out. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And so understandably, after a whole year of, oh, and, and for some postgrads as well, after what, three years, maybe more yeah. of like pure grind, grind mentality, like you're exhausted <laughs> and yeah. all you want to do is take a break. Yeah. But you can't. You, you, you can't. Like, I, you, I think you can like mentally you can, take a break. Th- yes, yeah. yeah. That the pressure isn't there. Right. But the requirement yes. grows t- in a way to yeah. fill it. There's a difference between the pressure and the stress, if that makes sense. The stress is, uh, I mean, we can define this a lot better in, as well, but with regards to the pressure of actually being accepted into medicine, that's gone now. Yeah. That's different. Your normal stress of, maintain, of keeping up with lectures, going to your labs and maintaining your work out, your life outside of medicine, that's... That's all there yeah. as well. And that's a very different sort of feeling. I will also add that your grades from preclinical years do not matter. And I wish someone told me that a little bit sooner. I'm pretty sure I told you that actually, like when you were in first year. Okay. Well, I wish I listened. <laughs> like, like because I... I don't think I went as hard as some of my other mates and stuff did. And to this day as well, a lot of my friends already know that, but they choose to work hard and get the grades that they want, which is like completely fine. Yeah. Do, you do you because you have control of your own grades and your own life and everything. That's completely fine. Um, but if that grade is, is like ruining your life to the point where you're being like, it's, it's debilitating to everyday yeah. life, then you have to address that. Yeah. And there are several more things that are going to make you a better doctor and just a better human being yeah. than working towards an A+. Plus. Yeah, and it's just not worth it, honestly. Because like, the amount to work towards an A right. versus an A+, plus is even... Yeah. Is, is, like, actually, that's a big gap. Right. And really, like, the, <coughs> the gunners in medical school that I remember from mm. you know, my year and mm. the you know, years around me, Mine as well, yeah. they now, they graduated, mm. they're mostly just like, yeah, that wasn't like the greatest, mm. you know, way to spend that time. Like a lot right. of them are, uh, I guess, like 
a little bit disillusioned with that kind of outcomes focused mm. grades only thing. And some of them have even quit. You know, some mm. of these people that are like gunning for A pluses, they mm. actually quit right afterwards where that like short term outcome didn't matter anymore. Mm. And I think it's in a way it's kind of an easy way to measure your success without having to think about yeah. other things that potentially are more important right. and influencing success. Because there's a it, it's literally a test that you sit based on the work that you've done and then you get a grade which reflects what you, what work you've put in. Yeah. But with the bigger picture stuff that I think is more important that we it's think more is more uncertain. important. It's more uncertain and it's less quantifiable. It's less comfortable to think about. Right, yeah. right. And I think like before, I was, I, we still haven't got to actually answering the question yet, but that's what I mean. I think we need to understand that before getting to all this stuff and what uh, the everyday life of med student is or what it should be or what it shouldn't be, we have to definitely address the fact that I think maturity and seeing the big picture is a lot more important to know how you should live. 100%. And the unfortunate thing is that people that haven't reached that point often can't appreciate that perspective, uh, which is kind of like a little, sort of like a paradox. It's like Mm. the most important thing to understand can't be understood until it's already too late in a way. Until you have that understanding. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So the the mentality is different. different. But okay, let's assume that the mentality is there. what What does it look like? Um, uh, you've got your normal lectures uh, and stuff. Uh, probably, uh, well, previously, well, compared to the other degrees and stuff, you you don't have uh, several papers on different subjects going on at the same time. You've just got one paper, which is which is medicine, and the way we get tested is on uh, modules. So first off, we did the musculoskeletal system, uh, then we went on to the digestive system, and so it's a big bulk uh, of, of of just a module on a, on a particular body system that we go through, um, which is nice. Um, I guess the everyday, well, without going too much into the curriculum itself, really, um, you go to your lectures, um, spend lunchtime with each other. The cohort's all really, really small as well. Everyone knows everyone. Um, mm. uh, I guess in second year lectures are in the morning, third year lectures are in the afternoon. Um, once you finish your lectures, uh, it's up to you whether you want to study or not, like going back to the previous conversation. It's up to you whether you attend the lectures or not. <laughs> you attend the lectures it's or not. It's up to you whether you get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And from, from the previous thing that we were talking about as well, like university is literally, it's, it's all on you. And I think that's another reason why the university also might not care as much. Um, and, and that's the, I guess it works both ways. That because they don't care as much, people that take initiative and take their studying in their own hands will end up doing better because they actually want to be there. And university isn't for everyone. It's not necessary to have a happy and successful and purposeful yeah, life, yeah. really, first of all. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, um, you do a bit of study uh, after later on in the day. Hopefully you uh, exercise or do something um, physical, yep. keep, keep your physical activity going, um, socialize with some friends. And How much free time do you have? <laughs> um, that varies leading up to tests, yeah. I think. Uh, if I were a better student, I would be a lot more consistent and I'd be studying regularly and enjoying my free time more. But um, when we first start out, like lecture one or two, compared to, uh, up until like lecture 40 or 40, 42, um, which is the day, of the, like the few days before the actual test is, um, no free time at all. Uh, just yeah. pure cram, grind and stuff, which I'll add is not the best way and I'm, I'm admitting to that. Um, but... Otherwise, uh, I think I think most people also do this as well, which is why you get yeah. You, I don't know since everyone's available to. Well, hang as you said, there's like natural that. selection, <laughs> right? There we go. It's <laughs> yeah. a normal distribution curve as yeah. well of grades as well. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, naturally, I think you have a lot more free time when you start a module. 
uh, and less so leading up uh, later on when, when it comes to actual, your actual test. Yeah, um, I, I guess it's just a matter of how you want to spend. You've got like as much free time as you want. Yeah. Like all of your time is free time. Right. Really. It's hard to give an answer to that question yeah. because like sometimes you want to work, sometimes you don't want to work. Um, if you're good, you have a you have a proper schedule and you have a system going on for yourself. Yeah. But like that's what I mean. It's it's hard to answer these questions because it's so varied. I can think of like five different like I can think of like fifty different friends all doing their own different things with their own things going on. Someone owns a restaurant on one side. Someone's um, hustling with their own student association. Someone's volunteering over yep, there. Yep. It, it's everyone's got their own lives going on behind yep. them because they've neglected that for that first year, right? It's and, just and it's I, I would say it's rare to find students that don't have something else that they're yeah. kind of getting into. And I hope they do. Yeah, really. absolutely. And I think <coughs> that goes to. Um, you know, some of the myths that mm. are around medicine and med students, mm. uh, which we'll, we'll talk about later as well. Yeah. Um, but that it's not a social degree that everyone's just studying. But actually, mm. like, I would say medicine is one of the most social yeah. degrees yeah. that are out there because it's a, sm- a small cohort and everyone knows that it's important to socialize. Right, right. They make an effort. So it's mm. that very work hard, play hard yeah. mentality. Yeah. But essentially, like, yeah, uh, that's the generic uh, day that I think I started off with. But then we, uh, we have a paper called Professional Clinical Skills and um, uh, in that we learn uh, the soft skills uh, where I think, uh, I can't remember what the lecturer's name was, but she, she said that in med school, we spend 20% of our time learning about these professional clinical skills and 80% of our time learning about the actual like pure physiology and content of yeah. it. But in reality, it's, op- yeah. it's the opposite. In fact, even around. like it's 90% is the everything else. Right, yeah. right. The, like... Like it's increasing people. I mean, yeah. Increasingly, the information is just available on hand. Right. Yeah. And it should be second nature by then anyway that you don't need to. Uh, you're not going to spend most of your time doing that stuff. Yeah. Um. But after learning a bit more about uh, how deprived doctors are of some of these um, skills and uh, just managing themselves and actually like self care, just taking care of themselves, um, we learned a lot more as students, and it's been highlighted a lot more uh, recently now compared to old school years and old school yeah. doctors that. Um, taking care of yourself and preserving yourself is really, really important because if you're not sorted, then how can you sort other people out really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so stuff like mindfulness, meditation, reflection, uh, journaling, just like talking with people as well um, about things you have going on or uh, things that might not be so good. Like just making sure your mental health is good yeah. throughout the six years of med school and then from that point onwards is so, so, so important. Yeah. Um, so earlier this year, I, I um, had my own little morning routine where I'd um, bike out to Mission Bay, go to the wharf, watch the sunrise over there, do a bit of meditation, maybe read my book. Um, and this, by this time, it's like, I don't know, when sunrise is, what, 6.37-ish or something. Um, head back in time for my 8 a.m. lecture, yeah. not that I actually attend it. Um, <laughs> legit, like, I will, <laughs> one time I just put my headphones, walked into the theater, into lecture theater, sat next to my friends just for the, like, Social feeling capital. of social, yeah, yeah you know what <laughs> exactly, I mean. Yeah. Um, but I ended up just doing my own study right over there. I used to go to lectures to catch up on sleep, right? Because it was <laughs> yeah, such an yeah. easy way to fall asleep. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, and that's the primary reason why I didn't go to lectures in the first place. I that's can't why, stay that's away. Why I, yeah, that's why I stopped going yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actually a huge other issue in terms of like my narcolepsy, and we should have an entire <laughs> episode of just how to sleep. Sleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but once, once I once I started incorporating um, those messages that we that we got taught in second and third year and and i think that that have been talked about in society generally now a lot more so um that put a a bit more structure and a bit more um purpose into the way i use my time yeah uh and i think uh 
that retrospectively speaking, when reflecting back on this year, especially when I properly focused on that stuff, it definitely paid off. Um, yeah, and it helped. Yeah, and I think that I think that trend continues. So yeah, um, so when you get into clinical years, when you're working, especially the you know that free time question mm. is actually a lot easier to answer because your schedule is a lot more set. But because it's more set, there is more rigidity, and because there's more rigidity, there's like obviously flexibility, and mm. that means that you have to be a lot more proactive and actually taking care of yourself. Like mm. it's kind of you know sort of how that margin and room for error is is a lot more it's it's more open mm. there's more of it there's more room for error when you're like in high school compared to uni right in preclinical compared to clinical there's yeah. more margin for error where you might not be really doing stuff to take care of yourself and it kind of goes under the radar because you know you don't you don't need to but the habits still need to have been formed mm. and those habits if you need it in fifth or sixth year you want to have started forming them in the second and third year so right. it's automatic by that time yeah but same thing with the jump from high school into pre-med yeah you, you want, want to start you early. want to have that yeah so yeah. if you're sort of saying okay i know i've got issues with my studying mm. system Solve studying skills yeah, yeah like you should or yesterday you, yeah you need to be yeah. like okay how long does it take us for us to work through someone to get to that's not good at studying that's only kind of scraping into an excellence or not mm. even getting excellence mm. to get to a level where they're going to be consistently getting safely a pluses in beauty like how long would that process take us normally Two years? A year? Well, like, yeah, like a year. Like a year. with with coaching? With like like proper yeah. coaching. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a yeah. long-term yeah. sort of thing. It's not yeah. something that you can cram in like two weeks before, uh. you know, which is what most people think. It's just like a tip mm. or a technique like here mm. and there that's going to magic bullet solve everything. But it's like, no, it's a whole complicated series of right. habits that need to be formed mm. um, in a very specific way. It's the same with self-care and things as well. Yeah. So especially when you start working, it's completely different. So, uh, you know, after when you're into clinical years, most of your day is just you go into hospital, you, you're following that team around and you're trying mm. to learn on the job, but it's very chaotic right? how to learn. Mm. And, and this, the hospital system is not really geared for education. It's geared for healthcare. Yeah. And it's, it's something that's really interesting if you think about it. It's one of the only industries in the world where most of the more important learning mm. is done in the workplace. Right. Yet the workplace does not cater for the learning, yeah, yeah. Like for teaching. So yeah. like the teaching is almost, you almost feel bad for being there. Yeah, like you're not wanted almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so the the, the, the the entire environment is set up in a way where you are literally assigned to a team, yet that mm. team, the way that you're taught is very haphazard. It's just, it completely depends on, like there's no systemized way of teaching mm. students, Yeah, which is, Weird to think about, given that the entire future generations of medical professionals rely on that system of training mm. to gain clinical skills and acumen, mm. and yet the educational experience you get depends almost entirely mm. on which individual you are lucky enough to be paired with. Right, yeah. and it's just it, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, if logically speaking, there's no possible reason why that's a good idea. Mm. And why the system doesn't incorporate it, but actually, it's it's pro it's because the hospital management doesn't recognize right. the importance of it. It doesn't really make time for that. They're more worried about other things, like how to make the most money out of the healthcare yeah. system. I I mean, big question. I'm not sure if we can answer it right now. But what 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 would be a better way? Well, number one, like doctors should actually be trained on how to educate properly. Mm. There's almost no real teaching mm. on how to teach effectively. Right in med school. Yeah. Right, you have clinical 
Yeah. You know, you'd learn how to build rapport and gain trust, blah, blah, blah. It's very important skills. Yeah. But you, you, there's no way to, edu- like, if a patient doesn't know about their diabetes, do you know the, like, logical framework to use in order to dissect Not your really. understanding of knowledge and then distill it down into something that's simplified and just, teach it in an effective way? Like, yeah. these are things that every professional teacher would know mm. like how to do a good teacher that mm. has a teaching qualification that knows how to teach with you know mm. the right techniques mm. these are the things that they know how to do mm. doctors yeah. who with a whole doctors are educators is one of the most primary th- roles that they have yeah to educate patients there's no real training on it and i think that comes through that everyone's got their own theory of like how to teach effectively and i've had conversations with consultants where they're like oh yeah like i you know but like you know learning is meant to be done this way like this is how it is and like I'm not saying anything against it, but I'm thinking like, well, you know, actually there is actually no real research to support that. And actually the evidence suggests that it's not mm. that way. It's actually the opposite. Or, you know, this, the, the trend of like pimping, right? Where you're actually in the ward round and in pimping. front of the pimping, <laughs> where like you're <laughs> in front of a patient and the consultant will ask you a series of questions. It's called pimp. Like you get asked, the students or junior staff get asked questions on the spot as a way to like test their knowledge and things, you know, right? <laughs> Evidence suggests that that's an ineffective way. It's actually harmful to learning. Yeah, that's like bread and butter of medical education. It's like for a field that's so education, uh, evidence based, Mm. a lot of how we train other doctors, future doctors, Mm. is incredibly against the evidence. Like when it comes to education, I really honestly feel like doctors, like anti vaxxers level of education, like Mm. they look at the evidence and do the things that the evidence suggests is not effective. And that's like how doctors are trained and it just doesn't really make mm. any sense. So I think that level of training should be there. There should be a system where doctors are trained to educate better. Mm-hmm. And if you are a consultant, I mean, you should actually have training on how to manage your team on an educational level, mm. how to teach and make sure that your student is gaining that clinical accurate. It shouldn't be presumed because I will tell you for a damn fact, there are some consultants out there there are mm. many mm. who should never have a student under them mm. who would do more harm than good. Where It will be better for that student to have never met that consultant mm. and have worked in their team than otherwise. Mm. And there are going to be consultants who are oblivious to this. Mm. Like they think they're the man. Mm. You know, they're used to everyone listening to them. They're always been at the pinnacle. Mm. And it's just like, look, you're a horrible teacher. Mm. Students should not be forced mm. to tolerate being in your team mm. just because you know how to operate really well mm-hmm. or just because you've got a lot of medical knowledge like that translates it it's just the same as a good student doesn't make a good teacher mm. a good doctor doesn't make a good teacher but it should mm. and that's i think that's a, f- a fundamental issue right so uh, anyway we went on a bit of a tangent there but yeah. the the main um you know we we're meant to be talking about the everyday life of med students so clinical mm. years you're in a hospital you're trying to learn and absorb information from these teams and you do learn because you get good individuals that you're paired with you know mm. not every doctor is a horrible teacher like i kind of made it out to be there are people that are good it's just that it's luck based a lot of mm. the time mm. and the idea is that you're changing teams so often that your hit rate is going to be there like right you know, of that year you might be in a good team 50 percent of the time 60 percent mm. of the time if you're lucky um and in that 50 to 60 percent of the time where you're with a good supervisor and a good team you, mm. you learn a lot right and I can definitely say that my clinical knowledge is from fourth year and above. What I learned in second and third year was like, I don't even know what I learned during that time because <laughs> e- everything is consolidated in fourth year, right. and fifth year and, and your clinical years. And yeah. so you, 
um, rotate around different departments, getting a feel for each specialty. And in that mm-hmm. specialty, your job is to learn that specialty. If you're in orthopedics, you learn about bones and muscles and joints. Yep. If you're in general surgery, you learn about general surgery. If you're in general medicine, you learn about how to manage general medical conditions. Mm-hmm. So it's very specialty-focused uh, learning. It's very practical, and you're only learning the things that you really need to know. And I think that's an important tip as well for any clinical years that are mm-hmm. listening is that uh, for yourself going into it mm. don't try to learn every new thing every day just learn just one thing every day right that's relevant learn the common important things that are there if you see someone with a r- rare syndrome and your mm. consultant's like come come have a look at the syndrome that you may never see for the rest of your life don't go home and end up studying that for an hour it's like he literally said you may never, never see, see it for the rest of, of your life. life you know it doesn't matter even if you learn it you're gonna forget it and i yeah. spent a lot of time learning everything new mm. There is literally things that I studied in fourth year that I've never, ever had to draw on that knowledge ever again. Mm. Like, and that's a huge waste of time. I should be learning more about things that are very important for me to have as bread and butter knowledge. And just right. learn those in depth, learn it well, and learn it down to the logical level where it's mm. not just memorized. And that's a good way to learn in clinical years. So mm. fourth and fifth years, much the same sort of thing. You just get a bit more confident. Mm. Training into a TI year or final year of medical school is different because you're expected to kind of be pulling a little bit of the weight. Mm. The the rule of thumb, I don't know how official it is, but 20% of the ward is meant to be managed by the intern, training intern. Oh, wow. Well, okay. It's not always the case. And right. sometimes it's unsafe because some of the students are really very not good. Mm. Uh, but if you're really proactive and you're good at it, you should be really making use of that and try to be mm. working. So you really is it's going to work. Mm. And you can't really skive off early as often anymore yeah. as you could in fourth and fifth year. Because right. you can do that often in fourth and fifth year. There's a whole time in fifth year where I decided to not go into uni for like two weeks just to watch Game of Thrones. And uh, it's just <laughs> like, no one knows. Like I go to a clinic in the morning and it's like, okay, I'm going to go study now. And it's just like, yep, that's fine. Oh. And you just uh, you just oh go. And then I just watched a lot of Game of Thrones. Were there many others that did the same? It's common. Yeah, it's oh. common to just leave early to just do whatever. And the thing okay. is like, because again, it's in your own hands, isn't it's it? It's in your own hands. But the other thing is that it's it's hard to say, like, I feel like I need a break. Oh. And like, can I just not cover today? Because I feel like I'm getting a bit overwhelmed. Mm. I just, I feel like I need to study. Mm. It's hard to say that because the culture is not one where that's okay. So you need to end mm. up making all these various excuses. You just say, I'm going to go study or whatever to take those little breaks. And you might just need to take a breather and relax. But it's, yeah. a, it's like, look, that's totally fine. Mm. And I used to tell my students very upfront is that like, if you need to go, just go. Like I used to say, okay, ward round's finished. Mm. You want to you go home yeah. or you want to stay? Like this is what's here for the day. Mm. It's moderate yield for you. Mm. You could stay or you could go or you could go and come back when there's a particular interesting thing. And it's, it's up to them. And mm. I, I think that level of freedom is really important to actually learn effectively as an independent adult yeah. rather than forcing people to stay mm. and learning something that is potentially really, bo- like there are times where I've been at hospital and I'm just in a fourth or fifth year and it's just like, Christ, I've, I've stopped learning like six hours ago. Like this yeah. is such a waste of time for me. But you didn't want to go home. Because but you can't because you can't be like, well, you can, but it's, it's, I guess it's difficult to have that maturity and mindset and perspective to be right. like, look, uh, this was really useful. Uh, I think I'll, I, I need to go and study mm. now and it, you know, I'll see you at the ward tomorrow or something like that. Mm. You know, to say that is good, but mm. it's, it's hard to do that. So, mm. you know, it's pretty common that students will actually make up an excuse or something to just go and, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, from everything that you just said already, though, I said that, I've, I mean, I've been told that second and third year grades don't matter. 
I'm guessing fourth, fifth, and sixth year grades do matter. But uh, in saying that, not you're also quite lucky with who you get and like yeah, it's, how it's luck dependent, but also right. the way that, especially like the way that Auckland does it, at least actually okay. a way that the way that most medical universities actually do it is that mm. you just get signed off and marked by your consultant and supervisor. But your mm. supervisor might have seen you for like six hours for the entire run, right. like even less. Yeah, you know, so it's not a really fair representation a lot of the time, and yeah. Um, it's important to pass mm. because if you, if you fail, that usually indicates that there's a problem. Of course, yeah, yeah. If you pass versus if you get like a distinction, yeah, that could be totally luck-based. It could be a consultant that just doesn't, out of principle, give distinctions. It means nothing. So uh, and like, <laughs> what does make a little bit of a difference yeah. is like awards that you win, like end of year awards, like oh, first right. in something, first in whatever, like- Oh, in a particular run? Yeah, like if you get a like, a, if there are various prizes, like med school prizes oh. that get awarded. Okay. You know, the top achieving clinical student, or at you, when you graduate, you get a certain award. Mm. You know, it's like a the, the James whatever prize for mm. the clinically most excellent student. Like those things are good because it actually pans up a CV and it's impressive when you're like applying for a training program or something. But cool. if it's especially if it's really competitive. But generally speaking, the grades don't matter even in clinical mm. years as long as you are passing. Mm. As long as you're learning, mm. that's, a, that's the important thing. Right. You know, as long as you're learning what you need to learn mm -hmm. and you're passing and you're really taking the knowledge on board, not just to pass, but mm. to really use that knowledge in an effective way for mm. clinical practice mm. and, and be a good doctor, then that's what's the most important thing. And even if you get a passing grade when your level of absorption and knowledge is at a you know, distinction level or whatever you want to call it, you know, that's a win. Okay. If you manage to get a distinction, but you actually just kind of went through the motions, yeah, then that's, that's not really effective for your life. Mm. So there's, there's no real point there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a similar mentality to yeah. how grades don't matter you know, yeah. earlier on. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then you, and then you will graduate and start working. Mm. And then you, work as a doctor mm. and then we'll, we'll I think we'll talk about life of a doctor in a separate yeah. discussion as well yeah. yeah I'll probably just add with the with the point of grades specifically um, if you have things that you're gunning for outside of uni an, a, an external scholarship or uh, a conference that you want to be right. there for or an internship for example overseas they might look at your GPA at and grades, stuff yes. and so in that way that is important but yeah. That's like it's not applying. That's not going to be something that applies to every single student. Yeah, I just know that from personal experience. Yeah, I, and it I've also doesn't supersede like self care. Yes, no, yeah. Yeah. ever. Yeah, ever, ever. Uh, if your self care is good enough as well, though, you should have the correct systems and stuff to achieve those grades anyway. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, it doesn't matter if you're doing research or conferences or you yeah. know applying for things. Then they that will stuff. look at the grades, yeah. and it, like it is, it is important for those mm. things. Mm. Uh, whether that's worth it as an individual decision to make. And a lot right. of people like pre-med will be like, yeah, that's worth it. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, most I of was in that position as well, yeah. Most of the people in med are just like, oh, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So there's, you know, yeah. something to think about if you're listening to this and you're you know, really gutting for it, but right. you're not in med school yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about how open-minded you might really be. Thanks for tuning in to Subcut. If you guys have any suggestions for content, please make sure you send it through. You can get in touch and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or find us on our website at 
jttmid.com slash subcut. Subcut is a podcast brought to you by JTT. If you or anyone you know is interested in a career in medicine, make sure to get in touch and check us out at jttmid.com.